You are listening to the AI Ready Healthcare podcast. I'm your host Anirban. I lead a research group in Technical University of Darmstadt in Germany where we translate AI solutions to problems in image guided diagnosis and surgery. The purpose of this podcast is to connect the physician scientists and healthcare professionals with the advanced AI research from the Mikai Society. Here I talk to fellow scientists from both communities about the translational aspects of AI in healthcare. Opinion is whoever said it. Anything said here is not medical advice. Together, let's make healthcare AI ready. Now, the flames, they followed Joan of Arc as she came riding through the dark. No moon to keep her armor bright, no man to get her through the smoky night. She said, I'm tired of the war. I want the kind of work I had before. A wedding dress or something white to wear upon my swollen appetite. I'm glad to hear you talk this way. I have watched you riding every day and something in me yearns to win such a cold and very lonesome heroine. And who are you? She sternly spoke to the one beneath the smoke. Why, I am fire, he replied, and I love your solitude. I love your pride. Then fire, make your body cold. I am going to give you mine to hold. And saying this, she climbed inside to be his one, to be his only bride. And deep into his fiery heart, he took the dust of Joan of Arc. And high above the wedding guests, he hung the ashes of her wedding dress. It was deep into his fiery heart, he took the dust of Joan of Arc, and then she clearly understood. If he was fire, oh, then she was wood. I saw her wings, I saw her cry, I saw the glory in her eye. Myself, I long for love and light. Must it come so cruel? Must it be so bright? You were listening to Joan of Arc by Leonard Cohen. And now we move to our podcast, AI Ready Healthcare. It is my pleasure today to have Saif Afat here. So Saif Afat is a doctor a practicing radiologist in University Hospital Tübingen, which is wonderful because we typically have a lot of 
AI people from the Mikai side in this podcast, but today we also have a radiologist here who is interested in AI. So this would be a wonderful opportunity to talk with him. Dr. Afat, apart from his obvious daily practice, is also quite involved in the teaching aspects of radiology, which we will hear a little bit about today. And also he is focusing his research time in doing uh, more of the translational aspects of AI into the radiology setting. So that's more or less a first TLDR of Dr. Afat. And with me, I also have my co-host today, Henry Krum, who is a researcher in our group. Yeah. Hi, I'm Henry. As anyone already introduced me, I am again the co-host for this meeting. And I would just start with the very first question to get a better idea of who you are and how you became what you are. So yeah, what were the years of becoming for you? What was your way from med school to the place where you're currently at? Thank you very much. First of all, it's my pleasure to be here on this podcast. Thank you for the invitation. I really highly appreciated it. I was just very happy when I got the invitation. So I will just start into a small introduction about myself. My name is Saif Afat. I am originally from Iraq. So my journey actually is not in, in Germany. My journey begins in, in Iraq. I did my high school in Baghdad. And then I moved to Germany where I did some kind of a foundation stage, learned German. I hated it at the beginning, but now I love it. I'm German now. <laughs> I studied medicine at the University of Bonn, which I consider as my German homeland, Bonn Cologne area. And after in the last year, I started to do research in uh, neuroradiology. It was experimental research with um, swines, with animal research, experimental animal research. We were testing protocols, CT protocols, to see how low can you go and still have a good image quality while imaging ventriculoperitoneal shunts. This is actually how I came to radiology. Before that, I had some practicum in radiology, but somehow I loved it through my research thing. And I started in the University Hospital of Aachen. I worked in the Department of Neuroradiology for almost two years. And after that, I you cannot do the specialization for the neuroradiology. You must do general radiology. Then I have to move to a general department, general radiology department. And this is how I came to Tübingen. And I am in Tübingen since December 2016. This is where I started here. My research was focused still on CT at the beginning, developing low dose images, developing new protocols. We did some oncological imaging. On the CT section, we are doing some AI denoising tools, trying them out, how to and compare them with usual algorithms without any AI implementation. The same thing we are doing now in, uh, in our MRI research group. We are now testing some new AI re deep learning reconstruction features. We are doing this with uh, Siemens, with the company. So it's actually great. Some, some results are amazing. We are coming out, out of this. And what mostly me is uh, what I was busy with them the whole time, Anurban 2, it was uh, Raccoon. It is our 
our big baby. <laughs> it's this platform that Enervan and I, we are involved in this and building this huge platform, connecting all 36 university hospitals, radiology departments, and building some platform and infrastructure for any kind of research, AI or not AI, and sharing data and uh, working on data. So this was a short preview of my life. I'm married. I have two kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Since you started talking about raccoon, uh, so this is raccoon is probably something that we see as a sort of inevitable thing, but accelerated due to the pandemic. So Absolutely. Yeah. I see it totally like this. Raccoon, I'm a huge believer of this. I think we couldn't make it without the pandemic because the pandemic, it was a really a great opportunity. Everybody sees the bad side effects of the pandemic. In my opinion, if you see in the research part, of course, there were some weird papers and some weird publications, but they are really great, great cooperation. I mean, I don't have to tell you this, you know, everything about Raccoon, how fast this thing went and how big it is now. And we are still at the beginning of the project. Yeah, Raccoon basically is sort of, I think, one of the biggest infrastructure for research in the radiology domain in the world, I would say. I don't know many such infrastructure project that comes in for 36 German university hospitals. So thanks to BMBF so much for putting this much faith in the in the in the project itself. But because you are working in such an infrastructure project, you know, like even somewhere which is Germany, so absolutely at the forefront in terms of the economic powerhouse, and still. A pandemic has to happen for such an infrastructure speed up. So I'm imagining the the places like in the developing world, even where infrastructure is still some way off, I'm imagining. So how do you really see what needs to be done there, like in terms of the packs, in terms of his system, how to connect those, how to really bring the AI in the radiology perspective? Yeah, thank you. It's an amazing question. Actually, this is an issue what was somehow bothering me the last years. At the moment, myself, I'm working on a project for digitalization and affordable HIS system for Iraqi hospitals. Uh, we are still work in progress, but this is one of the reasons why I precipitated to such a project and I took a part of it. The thing is, in my opinion, the AI hype, first of all, at the whole beginning, a lot of mixed up information were separated in the media. AI, or they used to call CAT, Computer Assisted Detection Systems, it's been there actually. For example, in the lung imaging, thorax imaging CTs, it is something, even a, C a CT, it's 20 years old or 15 years old, has a CAT system on it. But we didn't have fancy wording for this. We call it AI or automatic detection or deep learning. Then this technology developed very fast. And the thing is, at the beginning, there were like two big groups. I'm, I'm talking all about radiology. I'm not an expert and I, 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 don't, I know a little about other, other fields uh, with AI. But in radiology, there were two groups. There were one group, they were prophesying or like, thinking AI will delete radiology. 
will delete radiologists. We don't need any radiologists. Everybody knows these, these talks where they say in 2000 something, there will be no any radiologists needed, yeah? This was this group and there was the group, <laughs> I like to call them the blood diamonds hunters. <laughs> What I mean with it is actually not, nothing mean. It's just a normal research. There's a new technology and you should milk it out and get the most out of it. But the thing is, everything was done in a small scale. Everything was done in many different ways. You do something a little bit different so you can publish a paper and say, yes, I did this and it got much better. But the bigger picture behind it, nobody was seeing it. Even myself, I wasn't seeing it. I was just thinking, actually, it's a hype and then gonna, it's going to move on. Big players like Google Health, they were thinking about the big picture. And it's now coming back exactly to your question. I'm a huge believer that we can use AI, we can use these technologies to get the healthcare in the developed country on another level. It's not going to be the same level like Germany, for example, but maybe 60% of that, which is more than in an, enough in developing countries. Yeah. And this is where I see AI should work. We must sometimes zoom out and look at the whole thing. So even we can think outside the box. And now at the moment, it is just like man versus machine. There are some discussions. There are some projects, man with machine, but mostly if you look I would say 70% of the publication are like man versus machine. Who's better? Who's better? Now, who is better? You know? And this is exactly where I see the weakness of, of, of the whole thing. Man versus machine. You can do it, but do it on a big scale. You are an AI expert, Anivan. I'm not telling you this, but for the, for the audience, the quality of the data is Huge thing. I, th I, I think you know all the discussions we have on Raccoon, the template, the segmentation. Somebody should, and you should have a specialized doctor to approve it so you can have a good quality data. And this is the thing what nobody thinks of. Everyone thinking AI, you have an algorithm, you train them somehow something, and then you can get something. Of course, there are some, some algorithms, some machine learning um, solutions they work without any segmentation, like you give them data input and see what the output, what it is. But I'm not talking about this. I'm just talking about the main idea is always the same, actually. And nobody takes these details, the number, the training cohort, the on and on. Many, many, many sections are, it's, it's very complicated in my opinion. Now I'm very happy to see many like IT guys took over somehow, which is actually great. Because I'm a doctor myself, but I must say, we are some kind of see everything as a competition, yeah? So I wouldn't give him the data because he's competition. And this is doesn't work in the IT world. You share your data, you share your algorithms. And I think this change will improve it or will make everybody comfortable with sharing with each other. And this is, these tools together should be used to develop things in developing countries. His systems, you told me about his system and PAC system. I don't know about other countries. I know uh, about Iraq and a couple of developing countries in these regions. They don't have a PAC system and a hospital or a radiology practice, inpatient, outpatient care. 
They don't know what is a his system, what is a PAC system. They work only with the machine. They do the reporting on the machine. They don't have an, any kind of archiving system. They give you a CD and then you go. This is the thing what nobody knows. This is the one thing. But the second thing is, how I can explain it? It is, we are tubing and we have nine MRI machines. Yeah. And there are some cities in the world with one million in the population. They have maybe one machine. And I'm talking about tubing in a cute, small city in South Germany, yeah, have nine machines. So the proportions are not there. And this is where AI may came, come in, maybe to filter the people and tell them, okay, you need a scan, you need to do this and that. Maybe to have some AI software implemented on mobile phones. So you take a picture of yourself or you chat with somebody or you answer a series of questions and AI algorithms will know what to do and or will recommend the right thing to do. This is actually where I see the strength of this. And I, I sent you once this, Anirban, I loved this project what Google Health did in India. Amazing project where they detected with a camera eye problems so they can see an eye doctor. No commercial for Google, but such projects. This is a, what I think at the moment what we need. Yeah, this is wonderful, Saif, because I mean, whenever, see, the bias is kind of, it's so such fun thing when you think of bias. So we are mainly sitting in a computer science department in a one of the biggest German universities. And even I talk to radiologists and surgeons more often than probably anyone else in, in my department. And still, when I was thinking of infrastructure, my infrastructure was about the IT infrastructure, PACSIS. And funny thing is, immediately when you started talking about infrastructure, you started talking about the machines itself. And it immediately clicked to me, gosh, like I, I'm talking about uh, photo sharing archive without talking about the camera itself. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Both are basic. That's the thing. <laughs> I mean, you see, it is it is not easy. It is either missing, and part of your question was why it was difficult in Germany to do such an infrastructure project in a developed country. Sometimes it's simpler than we think. It is every hospital uses many different systems. This huge hospitals use different systems. We have four systems, I think we use if we if we write a report. Then we see the images with the software. We write the report in another software. And there's another software for the patient history. And there's another software for the lab test. And there's another software if you want to do some calling or, or, or send the patient to, to get pick up or something. So this is, it's a complex, it's a very complex system. Of course, I'm talking about the university hospital. It's, everything is working. Everything is great. Smaller hospitals in Germany, they have maybe like one system, two systems, and the regulation, the law, it is difficult to just share images to do things. This is, I think, what is stopping the whole sharing idea or the infrastructure in Germany. And I think maybe in the five years ago or something, they didn't believe in such projects. Because if you see the hype, it was in the last years, they were starting to do the JIP. They started to do this radiomics platform. There were many platforms are work in progress. So it's several, several reasons. At the end, I hope that the raccoon thing will, will fly. 
But back to the thing with the uh, developing countries, I think there's a lot of things to do there. And I think a research with huge funding without impacting the global health is worthless. Most of the AI research we are doing in Germany, actually, it is some kind of fine-tuning, fine-tuning of perfection. <laughs> this is also very interesting because when we talk to the informatics department or in the typical setting of Mikai, which is basically our premier conference where all the medical imaging people go and talk about the new deep learning methods and developments, so somehow the basic idea that all the senior people know that health tech is about the technology and the people. And you were talking about that right now, that it's also the people who are using this, not just at the chief radiologist, but also the really the, those who are working with it, maybe even at the level of the nurses. And they have to really somehow be championing about the technology itself. That's the only way technologies get developed. And that somehow gets lost in the translation when we are moving from the actual clinical domain to more like a Mikai aspect. So can you tell me maybe a little bit about the aspect, how maybe people in the developing world see technology and how is it different from somewhere like Germany, the radiologists who are working it? Is it any different in the mindset? I think it is different in the mindset. I visited some conferences. For example, I was 2019 in Dubai in a radiology conference there. And we were talking of the high-level Arab country uh, what develop, when we talk about development. And I met their radiologists from all over the world, and mostly from East Asia, from India, from China, from this area. It was very interesting. They were interested in AI but not in terms of developing AI or in terms of having an AI solution to get faster, better, but as a PR thing for their department. Really, it was a totally new aspect for me. It was for them, if they say, your image, you have a report. In this report, there's the senior radiologist who did the report, and we use this certified FDA CE certified thing AI tool from this company to confirm it or something. Maybe have a couple of beautiful pictures <laughs> printed on the report. They were like a new way of thinking. But what I found out, they are everybody's interested on AI. I was on a booth with a with a Swedish company, Collective Minds. It's a radiological Twitter. Actually, it's about sharing experience and stuff. The first thing everybody who came to this booth, it was, do you have anything with AI? So. I think in these countries, you can spread technology much faster than in Germany, I would say. They are very curious about new technologies, new things. In some countries, I would say it's a bit too early for them because they don't even have the basics. It is like giving somebody a Ferrari and he cannot even ride a bicycle. Okay, He cannot even drive a normal car or something as a... Okay, it's, it's, it's a weird example, but you get what I mean. It is the infrastructure is not there. The, the machines are not many there. And the triage, the patient flow to go to the right place and getting to the healthcare, what should work on. And back to 
this global vision or global view of AI solutions, I see it at the moment we are talking about accuracy of AI in the Western world. It's always, yeah, my algorithm did with this cohort 0.79, yours did 0.7. You know what I mean? It is, uh, I did 0.8, I'm better. Maybe it is more simpler than this. If you have an algorithm for a very, very simple example, the most machine you find everywhere in the world is an X-ray machine, yeah? Maybe adjust an algorithm, which is trained by millions of images, which just tells you, you have a sickness or you don't have a sickness. It doesn't have to tell you what is the sickness. Just if you have something or you, if you have a pathology or you don't have a pathology to your age and to your image. And from there, then this patient will go to, maybe if he is in a village, he will go to, to, to a hospital in a, in a country, in a developing world. And this is more simpler. It's not about 0.8 accuracy. It is crucial to know if he has something or, or if he has nothing. If it is cancer or it is just a pneumonia, it doesn't matter, but he must just only know. It's very simpler. It's simpler than accuracy. Yeah, I agree. That's also a point that sometimes, again, get lost in, in translation, that uh, having access to our ideologist is a sort of privilege. Uh, the developed world, which is not so easy. But Henry, you have a question. Yeah, so I think the trend is going more towards CT imaging, as far as I know, in AI research. You are working as a radiologist for quite some time, so have you witnessed this transition towards CT, and how have you perceived it? I mean, in terms of uh, AI research, radiology in general? I I must say, that's that's a very good question. Everybody is talking about AI, yeah? But there is, nobody is using it at work. So this is, this is actually pretty amazing. Now, this year and last year, we have some tools and it is exactly, it is not in X-ray, but in CT, we have some tools. For example, we have some tools to measure the aorta automatically. So you don't have this to measure everything with, with yourself automatic segmentation of organs, but these are in the couple last years before that, we didn't use nothing. Exactly. There, there, were, there were research, we're doing research, but nothing was approved for clinical use. And this is, I would say 99% of everything published online is not certified or approved for clinical use. At the moment in Germany, I think there is something for mammography, which is, which is approved somehow. But the software, it's only assisting. There's no software giving you the diagnosis and taking the responsibility of the diagnosis. There's no such software. That's what I found pretty funny. It is everybody's hyping about AI, saying we have this AI things, but nobody's using it. Actually, the only thing... In my career, what I saw and we used really or took take a, took a look at it at least is this CAT system and this old Siemens machine, <laughs> which is which sent you some sends the images when you do the reconstruction and in the lung window it will mark some places telling you take a second look at them but not not telling you the diagnosis. 
This is actually the only thing what I noticed we used really often on this machine, but actually nobody is using it. I think the big players in this are the manufacturers. And I think in the next generation, because now they, they are catching up with the hype. Now they're having the AI denoising tools, AI reconstructions, AI-based simple things, simple tasks on the CT, how the patient is on the CT, uh, AR technology, augmented reality technology to, to put the patient's spine perfectly on the CT table. I think the next generation of machines will have more tools in them, more AI tools, more assistant tools. But till now, I didn't use any kind of tool which is certified or approved or where it gives me a report and I say, yes, I will sign this. <laughs> I see. So maybe this is also a question, I guess, sort of back to the infrastructure, but more in the global player of the, like who are the manufacturers basically. And if you consider the manufacturers, be it Siemens, be it uh, Philips, G, they all have their, let's say, sort of corporate research labs where which is completely focusing on research. So much like university research, but without the teaching load. And I can guess that while the academia was talking more about AI, these guys were building products that are eventually sellable. And in that sense, do you really see any, any chance of a startup who tried to develop something with AI has any chance of success of being, let's say, adopted in, in a clinical setting? Well, I must say, I like the German saying, everybody is cooking with water. Yeah. <laughs> and I think at the end, the price will play a good role too. So if a company, I, there are like, I think two, two possibilities to succeed as a, a startup, to have something affordable, something pricely very good and robust and flexible. So if you go to your customer and he wants to have this change on the, the usability menus, like very simple things, very flexible in adjusting or customize the software for your customer. This will be a good thing. And the other thing where I think startups can have a huge success in our department, it's not like this, but I know many departments, they have different manufacturers. So they have four machines, two from Siemens, one from Philips, one from GE. It's not very common to have three, but you have at least some kind of, a, you have a Philips and, and Siemens. This is very common. I know many departments, they have this, yeah? And I think this is exactly where the startups can catch in. To develop a software which is universal because Siemens will be doing only Siemens. Philips will be doing only Philips. And I don't know, for example, a denoising tool, yeah? To make the images prettier, better, yeah? Siemens software will not work with other manufacturers. So this is just for the, for the audience so to understand this. And Otherwise, too. So no manufacturer will have a universal tool. And this is, I think, it's a good point to catch in or to jump in as a startup. And at the end, it is always depending on the quality of what is developed or being developed. I think now what, what I see, I talked about it with one of our senior AI researchers, Sergius Gatides, 
we talked about so uh, AI consulting and consulting firms. And it is funny, now there are such companies. It's actually three, four years ago, if, if I'm telling you there's a c- company will be doing consulting for AI solutions, I would laugh actually, yeah. <laughs> but now that it's, it's uh, I think they will, they will succeed too. So if a customer is buying a tool, so you can consult him. And if a developer developing a tool, you can consult him now. So why not? Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, that, that's something which is very interesting because a lot of the initial hype about AI, healthcare will change everything. And that means all these venture capitalists put so much money into it. That sort of is drying out because they go by quarterly, right? And yeah, in yeah. medical, nothing happens that fast. So that kind of stopped happening. But this is that there is another thing I, I'm very interested to know from you because very little research is actually done there for all, all the research that is going on. It's the user design. So basically the design based on the user. So it's all fine to have my model 90% accurate. It's, as you said, like 90, 89.5% accurate. So my model is better. I write another paper. The point really is that that's kind of pointless unless it's being basically used by you guys. And you tell me I like to use that software more than this software piece because maybe the buttons are here. So what do you think about that? This is an amazing question. Actually, last week I was talking about this. Many companies, and I'm not talking about imaging, I'm talking about the whole medical sector. They offer the newest things, the newest innovations, yeah? But they don't care about usability, which is very sad. We have many amazing solutions and nobody is using them because it's pain to use them as simple as this. And a doctor is a human too. It is, for me, it's the same. I'm buying a Samsung or buying an iPhone. Oh, I'm going to buy an iPhone. I like the usability of iPhone. And it's the same thing, whether you're deciding to buy Android and iPhone or whether you're deciding to buy Siemens or Philips. It's actually the same, the same thing. And this is, in my opinion, where nobody's investing. Everybody's investing in developing the tool and making it very accurate, but nobody is developing in usability. And usability is the major thing to make something very successful. I don't have to say this, everyone can Google it and see how the really big players like Microsoft, Apple, how much money they spend on developing usability and making things very usable for the normal customer. And this is exactly, The same thing what's happening with research software. When I get a prototype research software from anyone, from any manufacturer, the first thing, I have no freaking idea how to use this thing. And I have to read a huge manual just to know how I can connect this thing with a node so I can get the data, the images in it. So it is absolutely correct. I think it is a place where nobody is doing research first. It's a place we are, in my opinion, we are some kind of 20, 30 years behind the development at the moment because you have a huge, beautiful research on on machine learning, on algorithms, on building 
some groups, control group and uh, and uh, testing group for our algorithms, beautiful segmented things, beautiful image qualities and prepared data for testing the algorithms, but you don't have anything about, okay, what would be the front end? Everybody is spending on the back end, but nobody is spending on the front end. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, I completely understand the frustration if I am a user, right? Because let's say, I mean, you are someone who wants to do research. So it's a very different mindset from someone who doesn't care about research. And if you are frustrated, who actually has a lot of interest, then who doesn't have interest about the freaking research behind they it? buy it. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, I mean, if you think about it, so let's say the first version of the Facebook or Twitter to current front end. So we see a significant improvement there because you are constantly in touch with the user and you are getting the feedback and you get the chance to develop every time. When we are really putting the softwares for healthcare behind regulations, I mean, Sure, that it has to be there. The we can't avoid regulation, but doesn't that actually hinders the the actual connection between the software developer and the user feedback back and forth, and you get better? I, I think both points actually. I think not only these two points. Regulations, of course, they must be there. That you cannot do something using a CT machine. It's X-ray. You must have this this kind of regulations in the software, so you wouldn't do it accidentally and put some radiation dose on a patient by accident. So it's okay. But the thing is, I had a, many discussions. I heard many discussions while being on a conference with different manufacturers. I have some kind of feeling they are not interested in this, the manufacturers themselves, because it's difficult, it's complicated to achieve, to go something. I had many discussions talking about, okay, why don't you do, they do customer service. They do like, it's exactly what you said. Facebook is Facebook because it knows what the users are doing and needing. And this is exactly what I don't see in healthcare sector. They come by, they, they visit their, their customers, but it's some kind of old school. You cannot interact immediately with the, with the developer while you're using the software, but it's old school. It's somebody coming by from customer services, a customer service, and you tell him something and he writes something down and he go back, I'll come back to you and he will never come back to you. Or he will just say, okay, what you asked, this modification is not possible and it's done. So I see the problem is several levels, but the manufacturers must, must change their mindset and their strategy of getting feedback. I think this interaction must be more direct to be reported. And I think, yeah, the customer must give his feedback. This is the, the other level, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I just thought of a parallel that I heard sometimes back in a John Oliver commentary that it's like airlines because there are only so few and there is so little competition. So they don't care about how shitty their customer service is just because they know you don't have anywhere else to go. Yeah, something similar like this. The thing is they developed a very good machines. For example, if we talk about radiology uh, manufacturers, all are great. All have their strengths and weaknesses. All are amazing and all are global players if we are talking about the big ones, yeah? 
I believe in one thing to, to make it simpler, my idea. I believe in one thing. We will be in a time where software will be much more expensive than the machine itself. This time will come. Maybe not this year, maybe not in 10 years, but this time will come. And this is maybe the final moment where they should change their minds and do a strategic flip. The thing is, the machines, they will reach their highest peak at some point and cannot be further developed to do something like uh, when the CT was invented. They still developing it, but it's still not that huge innovation like when you invented the CT. And the software, this is where it is developing and developing. And if you see the biggest, if we, for example, CT, the biggest developments we have now are actually software developments. 10 years ago, iterative reconstruction techniques, algorithms for denoising and doing reconstruction technique to have a low dose CT. It's all software. It's nothing was like major thing. Dual energy, they, the CTs, they came and now they have like a photo counting CT, but mostly it was actually software. Wonderful. So I guess one last question since you are talking about the future. Let's imagine that you don't have the clutters around your everyday hospital job and you have a really, let's say, fixed hours and then rest is basically research work and you have enough money and uh, like basically a awesome time where you can do whatever research you wish to. So what would you your strategy be uh, in doing things in the next for the next five years or 10 years? If everything was perfect, I would say I would go in a global research thing. I would try to change healthcare somewhere else, try to involve them, not only hearing the problem from the very advanced country, but also inviting the developed countries. I would maybe start some infrastructure, but not only in Germany, but it would be Germany with several locations and trying to start a conversation about how, where the problems are and how we develop the things. If I can do what I want, I wouldn't do something in AI section with accuracy. I would try to do something with more global impact and maybe doing something simple with digitalization, like what I'm trying to do in Iraq now. <laughs> Wonderful so much. So that this was really a great, great time we have together, Saif. It, Thank you. Like, Same here. Absolutely. It was great to hear that where AI is heading from a radiologist's perspective and sometimes easy, whatever sounds easy is not so simple, not so easy. It's very difficult. What is very beautiful, the discussion is now away from replacing radiologists. So it's good. We are now on the safe side. I think we are always on the same side. It's just somewhat of a blip. That comment, I guess, was timely in the sense that caught radiologists thinking about AI, just like, I guess, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Anurban, it was on both sides, I should say. The AI developing guys, they were saying, we, we're going to replace radiologists and radiologists who are defensive and very scared about their 
field, they were saying, no AI going to replace me and I'm not going to use any AI. So it was actually, it was on both sides. But I think now both understood they can't do anything without each other. I see actually a great future for AI. And in my opinion, it's not a hype. It will go on, but it will change the directions and maybe go more, more in the global area. I hope so, at least. Wonderful. On that very positive note of a global AI radiology handshake, we thank once more to say for the wonderful time we had today. Thank you very much for the invitation. And I really enjoyed the talk with you guys. Thank you very much for the insightful conversation.